the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our text this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6. When John was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you heard and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The message is entitled, An Unexpected Gift. You know, years ago when I was uh, working at this company, we had this annual Christmas party where, where we do uh, gift exchanges. And I'm sure you're familiar with that. I'm sure it's a common practice, okay? So, uh, you know, we get to pick out names, and whoever we picked out, we're going to buy a gift for that person, and the amount would be for $10. But I just got a raise that year, and I decided that I'm going to be a little more festive and a little more generous, so I've already decided I'm going to buy a $30 gift to the person that, um, that I would pick. And, you know, before the party, you know, we, we had to drop hints of what we'd like, you know, to each other to make sure that uh, we don't blow it. But I'm sure, I was sure anyway, that my gift will be a hit because not only am I going to spend a lot of money on it, I've decided that I'm going to really find out what this person really liked and I'm going to go for it. And sure enough, it worked. My gift was a standout. Everybody loved it. Everybody felt that they should have had my gift and all that stuff. And when it was my turn to open my gift, I must have been dropping hints that I liked football because I, have, I received a, uh, a fake trophy. One of those fake Heisman Trophy type of uh, statues with a football player running with a ball or something like that. And I looked at that gift and I said to myself, I may be smiling on the outside, but I'm using the name of the Lord in vain inside. I was disappointed. 
because I've seen these things before in novelty stores. They, they're not even 10 bucks. They're probably just $7 or something like that. I felt cheated. I was devastated. So I decided that that trophy will be my uh, paperweight on my desk to remind me uh, never to keep my hopes so high and my expectations so high. Because there's nothing more disappointing than expecting one thing and getting another. We all know that as human beings. And I'm sure many of us last year around this time, we were looking forward to 2020 with great expectations. We made plans. We, We were probably saving money to go somewhere. We were probably planning on buying this or buying that, moving to another job. And we had great hopes and high expectations and As soon as 2020 came, here we are. We were met with great challenges and uncertainties. There's nothing more disheartening than expecting something and getting another. That's exactly how John the Baptist felt when he beheld the Messiah for the first time. He must have had great expectations, as the entire nation did. They've been praying, and they've they've been longing for the appearance of the great Messiah that will deliver their nation from captivity and give them the freedom and the prestige that they've been longing for for hundreds of years. It was John, who was probably the last of the Old Testament prophets, who'd been proclaiming The way of the Lord. In fact, in the Gospels, he was known to be the one crying in the wilderness saying, Prepare the way of the Lord. Your redemption has come. Only to discover that this Messiah was none other than his own cousin. He was a family member. I mean, you can appreciate the struggles that he had. And we saw that in the text that we have read. I mean, put yourself in John's shoes. Say, say, I've been proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. Say, I've been, you know, standing around saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Your redemption is coming. And here comes the Messiah walking closer and closer to be baptized. And I've been saying, the shoes that he's wearing, I'm not worthy to even untie. And he comes closer and he comes closer. And I continued on and I say, he's go- I baptize you. With water, but the one who's coming is gonna baptize you, and he comes closer. He's gonna baptize you with a holy cow. Ryan, is that you? <laughs> Only to discover that it was your nephew or your cousin. You can appreciate the kind of dilemma that John had, and the entire nation, for that matter. Okay, they have been waiting for a king. Someone who's going to bail them out of their misery. And when he finally arrived, he was not at all who they expected. John, the beloved disciple, wrote this in the Gospel of John. He said, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or of, or of a husband, a husband's will, but born of God. He came into his own. He came to a nation that has been expecting him. But the establishment, not necessarily the, the Jewish nation, the establishment, the nation as an entity did not recognize him. The better word is they did not validate his coming as the true Messiah. Nevertheless, God set aside that promise, and he's going to come back later on to deal with that issue. But God placed his focus on anyone and everyone who will humble themselves and see this gift that God has given them. Jew or Gentile now has the light of salvation right in front of them. And the Bible says that who, those who receive him, he'll give the right to become God's own children. You know, you can't judge John the Baptist for doubting when he saw Jesus. Because I put my, myself in that, that era and in that time. If Jesus would have appeared to me and when I was living in that era, I would have probably had the same doubt. Probably rejected him. What did John expect? What did he experience that caused him to have this reluctance, this doubt, uh, this dilemma in accepting uh, this coming Messiah as a gift from God? And I want to I wanna emphasize that his doubts, the doubts of that entire nation still exist today. So many people still have no solid acceptance, so to speak, of the gift of salvation, the gift of the gospel that God has given the world. So we're still struggling with the same dilemma. So many people, even some people in the body of Christ. Now let's take a look at John's understandable skepticism. There are three things that, that, that he did not expect to happen. That's why he had some doubts about the coming of Jesus. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that John knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was human and he had his doubts and his doubts can, are probably still reflected in our world today. First of all, there are three things. First of all, John expected a predictable answer to his prayers, but what he got, number one, is an unpredictable answer to a prayer. It was the opposite, okay? Look again at verses 2 and 5. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? How could John possibly even ask that question? Hey, John, how could you? You were there when you baptized Jesus. In fact, he the heavens opened and you heard the voice of God and the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove and he said, here is my son. Here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But John, faced with a dilemma, he was imprisoned and he had to ask the question, are you the one or should we expect somebody else. Like John, the whole nation had been praying for thousands of years for their Messiah to come. They expected a deliverer. They expected a warrior king. They expected someone who will take the reins and, and rule and make his people prestigious again. He, they expected someone who will destroy their enemies. But what they got was a carpenter. 
you can't blame them. They're looking for, so, so for a commander. And they got a carpenter. I got a card from my wife uh, years ago on my birthday. It says, big bold letters, you are the answer to my prayers. Uh, the same reaction I had until I read the fine print above it. Very small letters. It says, you're not really what I prayed for and expected, but apparently you are the answer to my prayer. <laughs> Our world has not changed. Believe it or not, in this respect, we still regard appearances much higher than substance. The result is we judge from the external. We judge on the basis of what we see rather on what the real substance is. In his book, uh, You Are What You Wear, uh, author William Thurlby uh, explains 10 things. He wrote about the 10 things that each and every person will make upon seeing another person. In other words, these are assessments and judgments we make internally in our minds every time we see someone. By just looking at a person... Thurlby suggests that we already judge them on the basis of these 10 things. Their economic level, their educational level, their trustworthiness, their heritage, their family background, their social position, their level of sophistication, their economic heritage, their success level, and their moral character. All just in the surface without even having a conversation with a person. These are assessments we make even before we actually know, get to know the person. It's a human dilemma. We have, uh, uh, even, even in the way we present ourselves, I mean, I, mean, I, I just want to explain this a little bit. We are so focused on, on the surface that, that, that what we present to people really determines how they view us. I mean, even the gestures that we make, okay? Uh, if, if, if I put my hands behind my back, you will probably think that by doing that, I'm being a, a respectful person, a person who is attentive because I have my hands behind my back. When I fold my arms like this, what does that suggest? You're probably thinking, this person just doesn't care. Oh, but when I put my arms around my waist, there could be no doubt I'm in charge. Right? So we make these assessments on the surface without even knowing deeply uh, what the person is about. Talent agent Robert Littman once rejected a couple of aspiring young musicians. And these young musicians wanted him to represent them as their agent. And Littman looked at these guys, and he already made a decision that they don't belong in the music business. Okay? They look like they're juvenile delinquents. They couldn't play their instruments right. And their accent, they don't belong. So what ended up happening? John, Paul, George, and Ringo looked for another agent. Talk about missing an opportunity because we looked at... Uh, Appearance on the outside. Uh, people in Jesus' day rejected his claims to be the Messiah and the Son of God because of the way he looked. It was predicted in the, it was predicted in the Old Testament. You know what Isaiah said about the coming Messiah? He had no beauty that we should desire him. 
And you know what? He was right. If, if we see Jesus when he came in here, we probably have some questions as well. Okay? The, the Messiah they expected was supposed to be someone who's a, a great man. Probably they're looking at somebody like Saul or David. You know, they were looking at someone with a horse, with an army, with weapons. And when they saw him, he was just not who they expected. He was not who they were praying for. People today are the same. They want answers to the problems they face. We all want answers. People reject the message of the gospel not because they think it's a bad religion, but because they feel it's weak that it doesn't give solid and tangible answers to the problems that they face and the problems that the world face. Christianity and this gospel talks about peace and joy and all of these things. And people reject that message not because they don't like the message, but because they feel it doesn't deliver. People can't relate to the message because it's not what they expect the gospel to accomplish in their life. They, they simply don't want what the gospel has to offer because their expectations of God is very different from what God has provided. And let me tell you something this morning, loved ones. If God can meet our expectations, He has no business being God because God is transcendent. He doesn't bow to our expectations. He bows only to his own word, words. And maybe, maybe some of us are struggling with our faith in God because we try to mold the Lord according to our own expectations. I tell you, if you have any doubts about who Jesus is, chances are you have been trying to mold him into the kind of Messiah that you expect, that you can accept. And look at what happen, what's happening in our big cities. You know, the city of Chicago, especially. It boasts a large number of mega churches. Some of the best historical Christian churches are in Chicago. But by the end of this year, hundreds of people will die in violence in that street. And, 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 and replicate that in other big cities in our nation today. We boast a lot of, a lot of great Christian churches. Uh, organizations and yet many will perish and live a life eternally separated from God because they haven't recognized the gospel. Is it the fault of the gospel? Absolutely not. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is the answer. The issue is people think and feel that there are other solutions other than God, what God has already given. We find it hard to believe that a carpenter who went to the cross can actually save humanity. It's an unexpected gift that we reject. It's a gift that defies our expectations. Jesus doesn't seem to be enough. But listen very carefully to the promise. The Bible says that who received him, whoever received him, will be given the right to become the children of God. It's an unexpected gift. Jesus is an unexpected gift, but it's the only, he's the only gift that counts. 
Don't let your doubts lead to rejection of the gospel. John doubted, but he never rejected the Messiah. Now, there's a second dilemma that brought about this doubt in John and certainly in the people that beheld Jesus at the time and certainly even people today. Not only did he get an unpredictable answer to a prayer, he also discovered that this Messiah, this Jesus, had an uncommon active priority. An uncommon active priority. Look at the following verses again. When John, who was in prison, heard about the activities of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, and this is critical, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. John asked Jesus a direct question. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? And it's amazing to me that Jesus doesn't hardly ever give a straight answer. You know? He could have just said to John, yes, I am, John. Stop doubting. You've been, you've been reading the Old Testament. You know all those prophecies. There's hundreds of them. You know they all point to me. So just relax, John. I am the one. But Jesus didn't answer him that way. And, 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 and John clearly expected something else from Jesus. That's why he asked, are you the one or should we expect some, someone else? John, like all of us, probably expected Jesus to do something about what's going on. John expected the Messiah to be the Messiah who will get into the heart of a problem. And to John and to the people of his day, the heart of the problem is their Roman captivity, their economic situation under Rome, the, the, the Rome, the persecution that they're receiving. That's why everybody expected from the Savior to come and bail them out of that situation. That's the common sentiment of the entire nation. That's what they want to see happen. They had this, this common understanding that when the Messiah comes, he will deal with their problems. But Jesus had an uncommon active priority. He did not come to solve people's problems. He came to get rid of the sin problem in every person. He came for a different purpose. He didn't come to bail people out of their misery. He came to give them life by forgiving their sins, by restoring their relationship to God. Ravi Zacharias, and we do miss him, always said, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to offer eternal salvation. And so when, when John asked him, are you, are you the one that we're expecting or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus answered him in a very peculiar way. He said to John, John, you don't believe that I'm the Messiah, but look at what I'm doing. He said this, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the leprosy cleanse. Lep the, the lepers were cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead rise, the poor were given hope. What is this teaching us? Jesus, by performing the things that he performed, the miracles that he performed, was pointing us 
not to the answers to our prayers, but he's pointing to himself as the answer. The point is simple. Jesus performed all of those grand miracles for the simple purpose of showing John and everybody else that he is the answer. He is not the Messiah that solves all our problems and answers all our questions. He is, in fact, the answer. And how do we know that? Because even though Jesus performed all of those miracles, we still have those problems. Okay? Jesus can perform a miracle by healing the blind, raising the dead, healing the sick, but we still all have them today. They haven't disappeared. What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus had a different priority when he came. His priority is to offer redemption, reconciliation, reformation, and restoration. That's what Jesus came to do. Okay? And so... People in his day expected, oh, you know, he must be, he must be the Messiah that's going to bail us out of our problems. Look at what he can do. Look at all the things that he's able to do. But Jesus' priority is not to solve our problems. Jesus' priority is to save our soul. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.